Hello, I'm Curtis Bowers, and this is Agenda Weekly. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. I really appreciate it. Hope you've had a good week. Hope you've been praying for the people in Turkey that are having to deal with the destruction of a huge portion of their country. Thankfully, we talked about it a little bit last week, but thankfully there are Christian groups going in there to help the Muslim people uh, kind of start to get things back to normal. But it will be years. So many of the towns were absolutely just collapsed to the ground. So it, it's a, a devastating thing we need to remember because it's, it's, it's going to be years until things are back to normal if they ever are. A lot of times we have episodes and most of them were on serious sobering topics because we need to understand the times and it's an important thing to do and then have action based off of that and prayer based off of that to help us all be able to make a difference right where we are. And today, though, I'm going to do something a little bit different. But before I get into that, I wanted to bring up a couple things I saw this week, I think, that are significant. One of them is, and you may have seen this or you might not have, but Anheuser-Busch, with all their controversy on their transgender cans and promoting the transgender movement so forcefully to their crowd, which, of course, is not that community at all. It kind of is a weird thing. You go, why would they be doing that? Something that came out in relation to that story this week, I don't know, it just hit me as really powerful and really concerning. But the CEO of Anheuser-Busch is a former CIA agent. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Those are completely different in the business world with, you know, uh, trying to do marketing and customer relations and all that stuff compared to the CIA. I mean, I don't know. It just concerns me because the more we dig in, we see so much of the big corporations, big tech, big banks. They seem to be just branches of our intelligence community. The church committee back in the 1970s really exposed a lot of that when they were grilled, the CIA back then, they admitted, yes, they have some of the top correspondents of the different news agencies are CIA agents and things. Um, so they have penetrated everything. Hollywood for influence, we know that. They write most of the scripts or at least review them. We That's also come out over the last several years. But I think they're also, uh, they're the strong arm of the globalists, the elites, uh, the deep state. And so... They're the ones that really have the power. And as we talked about last week, they flex that muscle with John F. Kennedy as an example to everybody else. But I just saw that and I was stunned. I'm like, you're kidding. So, so Anheuser-Busch's CEO is a former CIA agent. <laughs> Crazy world we live in. Also below is another documentary on Waco. Waco is another one of those examples of things that is so sobering. As you dig in, this one I hadn't seen before, but it has so much more information showing just how rotten that whole thing was and how corrupt. And it's also not recommended for women or children. It's too sober, but it's important we're aware of that so we know we cannot trust our government. They have been lying to us almost without exception for about a hundred years. 
It's that significant. If you go back, study the history, what were they telling us about this war or that war or whatever? And what was the reality later when we saw the declassified documents or whatever? It was the exact opposite every time. And then we just lived through COVID where it was the exact opposite every time. So that's the reality of Agenda Weekly because we're here to expose the agenda behind the news. But I thought, you know what? I was watching a video this week by a North Korean girl named Yomi. And as I was listening to her talk about what it was like to be raised in North Korea, I thought, you know what, though? We have so much to be thankful for. We know what freedom looks like, what it's supposed to be, the right to do what is right. We, we know how a family is to operate in a church, in the state, in a business. Um, we have all that, and we have so much to be grateful for. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to have an Agenda Weekly pep talk and, and talk about real things we need to not forget in the midst of all the things coming at us and all the, the bad news out there, there's a lot of good news that we have been given a foundation, an example of those that came before us of how things are to be done, in, the, in an example that God's ways work. And we have that. Most of the world has never had that. They don't even know what that looks like. It's so uh, just alien to the world they live in, to their life, to their country. And so that's what we're going to do. But I realize we're really blessed. And so I wanted to focus on that this week. And I hope it will be encouraging to you. But thank you again for joining me. I'd like to start with a clip of Yomi Park, just so you can see who she is. And her story is incredible. We also have a video below of an hour and a half interview with her. Um, it's also probably adult content because she had a rough time getting out of North Korea into China where she thought she'd be free. <laughs> but then she was sold into the sex slave trafficking and then finally was able to get to America. It's a powerful story, but it's a reminder to all of us how much God has blessed us and how fortunate we are to have been given so much by him, to be born in America, to live in America, to just have the information we have. And so, but anyway, watch this clip. And when I was growing up in North Korea, I had no clue that I was even oppressed because the oppression, the vocabulary was not part of the world that we were allowed to know. The regime controlled us to the point. They decided what words we can know and what words we cannot know. People don't even know the word love in North Korea. That Again, it sounds like you're making it up. You mean this literally. Yeah. It's the only love that we are allowed to know is like our love towards the dear leader. The dear leader. That is the only Kim time Jong we are allowed Un. to use that word. So, Not about like another human being. What she's talking about, we don't know anything of. We, we can't even comprehend it. She didn't even know she was oppressed because that's all she knew. And the word oppressed was not a vocabulary word they're taught. So they don't even understand that concept. It sounds crazy to us because we think, oh, well, they would just think about it. She goes, no, we didn't. We just, this is life for everyone. This is the way it is. Uh, and then did you hear that? The only person they're allowed to love is the dictator, the state. 
That's exactly what the Democrats are trying to do to us in America. They're trying to so divide us. It's like the only person we can count on that's not against us, that's not trying to, to use us or whatever, is them. Of course, the only people that are using us and abusing us. But it, it, it's powerful when you hear that. And I realize we should be so grateful we don't even know what she's talking about. It's so foreign. It's like, what? It makes 1984 look like a joke. But this is real. This is going on today. 25 million North Koreans today are total slaves of this dictatorship. But she goes into how North Korea has been different compared to the Soviet Union or something where there was a physical dictatorship and you were, you know, totally uh, controlled in every way physically, but they weren't able to close the system as much as North Korea has been able to, where they also had a dictatorship of your mind. They, they tried to do those things, but it sounds like in North Korea, they have been perfected. Listen to this clip. It's a North Korea has a two, they mass two types of dictatorship. One is physical dictatorship, and that's a lot of countries try, right? Like even Soviet Union in China, the people are not allowed to move different states. They don't have freedom of speech. They don't have a freedom of movement. They don't have a freedom of religion. The second thing called the North Korea coined this term like emotional dictatorship. Nazi Germany had the dictatorship of the mind, where you literally enslave people in their minds. And that's a lot powerful dictatorship than just physical dictatorship. And therefore, when I was living in North Korea, I was even afraid to think because I was I believed that the dictators could read my mind. Think about how you were raised, your childhood, your upbringing. Maybe you had some difficult times in that, but can you comprehend what she's even talking about? I, I'm like, I can't even comprehend that. Can you imagine being raised like that? You can't whisper. You can't, you know, the dictator can read your mind. That's what our people would love. That's what they're trying to do with technology. They, they want to get to that point where they are like God. But we need to be thankful for the gift God has given us in the way we were raised, in the principles that our country was founded upon, that work, <laughs> um, that do provide freedom for each individual person where they are guaranteed life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, where they're able to use all their abilities to do whatever they believe God would have them to do. Most of the world has never, ever experienced that, even today. I don't think we realize how America was a blessing to the world, that God picked our founding fathers and instilled them with the wisdom and the character they needed and the virtue to be able to spell out, here is how God intended life on earth to operate. And like Paul, even in the Bible, talked about, you know, before he knew about the law, he was ignorant of it. He wasn't guilty because he didn't know. Up until America, no country in the world knew anything about anything except you just obey the king or the dictator Whatever. That's how the world had operated because it was outside of God's laws. And so might made right. And so the strong would come into power and stay in power until someone stronger would come along and dethrone them. And then they would be in power. So it was always the bullies abusing the common man. But 
in the Declaration of Independence, here's just a couple sentences out of it. And I know you know these, but you should be thankful for these. You should read these regularly and say, God, thank you. Thank you for this wisdom that we take for granted, but that changed the course of world history in so many different ways. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Just those lines that all men are equal, that was not the, the way things worked for the 6,000 years before America. It didn't work that way. It was, no, no, some are more equal than others. It was the 1984 it's the elite families at the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. They have value and meaning and purpose. The rest are useless eaters. But they said, no, no. And, and then the concept of your rights come from God. They're not from government. Again, that was revolutionary at that time. And it was a new idea. I don't think most people had ever thought about that. But God allowed our founders somehow to to see through history and Bible and everything around them to realize, no, no, this is how God intended it to be because he is the ultimate authority. We're all under him, so we must obey his laws. But in his system, man is to be free because man is accountable to God, so he must be free to act in the way he thinks God wants him to. And so it was just incredible. But of course, among these, they talked about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that to secure these rights, now this is a complete transformation right here too. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. So instead of government is there to serve itself, to enrich the king, to, to destroy all opposition, they said, no, 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 governments are there just to secure the God-given rights of the individual people. Nothing like that had ever been done before. And then it goes on that governments then are deriving their just powers, the things that are just, from the consent of the governed. So it finally flipped it. No, no. Those that are governing are on the bottom. And they have to have the consent of those over them, the people being governed to say, okay, yeah, that's okay to do that. But they were wise enough to know how evil man is. And they said, uh, whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, so when that's not the point of government anymore, just to protect our God-given rights, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. That was radical, beyond belief. But then they wrote out the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. And that was where they said, okay, here's some of the most obvious God-given rights. These are the obvious ones. These are, this is not an all-inclusive list. It's just the obvious ones that government can't ever infringe upon because they're not given by government. They're given by God. And they cannot step into the place of God and say, you no longer have these rights. Uh, the First Amendment, to express ideas through speech, press, assembly, and to be able to protest and to ask the government to fix problems. And then, of course, to protect your right to your religious beliefs, which is your private property. Now think about that. COVID 
said to us, you don't have the right to assemble anymore. Totally unconstitutional. It doesn't say when you're in a pandemic, then you can't assemble. It says, no, you have a God-given right to assemble whenever you want, and that cannot be infringed upon to protest. January 6th, the people came there to ask their government to fix a problem, which the First Amendment says you have a right to do this. And they say, oh, no, you don't. The Second Amendment, of course, protects the right to keep and bear arms. Our founders knew we can give them all the rights in the world. We can tell them they're from God and no one can infringe upon them. But man will infringe upon them unless they have the ability to stop someone else from infringing upon them. And so they knew that was the, that was the bedrock of guaranteeing those rights. The Fourth Amendment bars government from unreasonable search and seizure. <laughs> Again, to us, oh yeah, yeah, that's normal. It's not normal. In the history of the world, that's not normal. We should be so thankful for that, that concept. You can't just come search my house or search my vehicle or search my bean. TSA is totally unconstitutional. They can't just pick out people. Oh, you, you got to be screened. We're going to strip search you. We're going <laughs> to, you can't do that in America. But they are ignoring these God-given rights. The Fifth Amendment provides several protections for people accused of a crime. It's really amazing how much they said about that. They realized in days gone by as they studied history and saw how things work, governments just falsely accuse people of something, which is starting to happen now. And so we need to clearly articulate all the rights someone has when someone has accused them of something, because we know sometimes it's a false accusation. And so here's what they said when, when people are accused of a crime. It states that serious criminal charges must be started by a grand jury. So if it's that serious, you got to get a grand jury to come together and say, okay, we better investigate this. A person cannot be tried twice for the same offense. That's so wonderful. And days gone by, you have a trial. If it didn't turn out right, they just have another trial, another trial until you're guilty. And property can't be taken away without just compensation. You, you can't just have the government say, we need your property for something we're doing. Get off of it. Like in days gone by, where that's what the king would do. People have a right against self-incrimination and cannot be imprisoned without due process of law. The, the January 6th political prisoners have been in jail for over two years. And the Constitution, the Fifth Amendment says that cannot happen. They cannot be imprisoned without due process. Again, it's sobering to see that. But, but the fact that we know these are the ideals, the fact that we know this is how God intended things to be is so important and so wonderful because we know what we're trying to build back. We know what we're trying to defend and protect. We know what we're trying to teach the next generation. The Sixth Amendment provides additional protection for people accused of crimes. What are those? You have a right to a speedy and public trial in a trial by an impartial jury. <laughs> That's pretty amazing that people today aren't getting that anymore. <laughs> um, and you're supposed to be informed of the criminal charges against you. That's not happening. Witnesses must face the accused and the accused is allowed to his or her own witnesses and to be represented by a lawyer. So all these principles to protect, they wanted to make sure 
that the individual was protected from injustice. Seventh Amendment extends the right to a jury trial. And a jury has to be of your peers. Um, and, and we need to fight to continue to make it that way. It's vital that they're people just like you so they understand who you are, how you live, and, and they can relate to whatever the charges are. The Eighth Amendment bars excessive bail and fines and cruel and unusual punishment. Again, another protection of people. The Ninth Amendment states that listing these specific rights in the Constitution does not mean that people do not have other rights that have not been spelled out. They were so sharp. We should be so thankful for our founders. They realized we're going to write down the main ones here, the fundamental ones, but this is not all inclusive. These are just the basic ones. But again, the key foundation of it all was these are God-given rights, so government cannot take them away. We have to grab a hold of that today because I think everybody else thinks our rights come from the Constitution which means our rights come from government if they were from the piece of paper because if they ever have a constitutional convention and they change what the Constitution says or a judge says, oh, that's not what it means or something, they redefine it, then all of a sudden you don't have those rights. And we're like, no, 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 we don't have the rights because of the Declaration. We don't have the rights because of uh, the Constitution. We have the rights because God is sitting on his throne in the universe and he has given us these rights. And, and uh, this is so important to understand, but every country in the world has these rights because they're from God. So our founders simply stating something that hadn't really been stated before so clearly, it instantly freed all the peoples of the world from tyranny. And of course you go, well, no, they were still enslaved. Yes, they were still enslaved, but they were free. If they disobeyed their government, they were not doing anything wrong because their government had proven to be illegitimate because they were defying the God-given rights that God has given to every man. All men are equal. All men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. So it set a precedent for the world. Here is the standard. In any government that's not living up to this standard, in any government that sole purpose is not defending these God-given rights in your citizens, you're illegitimate and, and you're evil and you're wrong. And many wars have come about because of that. Unfortunately, the elites didn't really have those wars to free those people so they could have their God-given rights, but that's what they should have been about. And then the last, the Tenth Amendment, is so vital. And again, in their wisdom that God gave them, they said, it says that the federal government only has the powers delegated in the Constitution. If it isn't listed, it belongs to the states and to the people. And again, that's what we have to keep fighting for and getting back to because they're going against that today again, where they're saying, no, no, government has all rights and we will let you know which ones the state can do or not do. And I think that's one of the good things happening, too, that we need to be thankful for. More and more states are stepping up and saying, you might have COVID lockdown policies or whatever. We're not doing that. You might mandate the vaccine. We're not doing that. And so it's starting to break away more and more states that are saying no thank you to the federal government. And they have a right to do that because of the 10th Amendment to say, 
you know, we're not interested in that. That defies the rights, the God-given rights of our people, and we will not do that because in doing that, you're breaking your oath of office. And any legislator, any governor, any mayor that institutes a policy that, that infringes on our God-given rights has just broken their oath of office, which means they're not a legitimate authority anymore at all. They don't even have the basic authority anymore. So they can be completely ignored because they already broke their oath. And in doing that, they are no longer in that position. The thing I think it's so important for conservatives and Christians to wake up to, those that do respect the rule of law like we should and we always need to, those that want to do it the right way, is that Romans 13 and things out of the Bible where God defines what a legitimate government is, where they're ministers of God and they are persecuting those who do what is evil and they're rewarding and protecting those who do what is right. Those kind of governments we do listen to and we, and we respect their authority because it's God-given. But when, when government steps outside of that and is no longer a minister of God, when they're not bearing the sword to punish evil, but they're bearing the sword to punish what is right, they no longer have any authority at all, especially in America, because it's all been defined in the Constitution, in, in the documents they swore to uphold. So again, they're breaking their oath. So we need to not allow our pastors or people to convince us we blindly obey regardless because that's what's right. It's not. It's wrong and it's evil. There is a time to disobey. There is a time to say, no, gracias. I, I have no interest in what you've said. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the mayor, the governor, the president. You have overstepped your bounds and therefore you are, I am no longer under your authority. And so, but we need to do that. But so few pastors and so few people will do that because there's a high cost to doing that. If we choose to obey because we're fearful of the punishment, that's our choice to do that. But if we choose to disobey, I just want you to know you are not disobeying God because God did not tell us to obey the governments that are wicked and vile, the governments that are illegitimate because they have broken their oaths of office. And I think it's a crutch, Romans 13 and some other parts of the Bible is a crutch for cowards. It's the pastors that are scared of their own shadow and when the government said you have to close for COVID, oh, okay, we're supposed to obey the government. Instead of saying the, the government has zero authority over the church, none. And our doors will be open and you will say nothing about it, period. Like few of the brave, wonderful men did. We need to acknowledge what that is. It's, it's a crutch of cowardice. Those people are not leaders, they're sheep. And we need to, to look for pastors, look for men that are leading in the right way. What are some other blessings of recent years? Uh, the blessing of COVID. I truly believe it's one of the greatest things that's happened. The whole thing with all the negative things as a blessing from God to awaken the masses. I remember in 2008 when Obama was elected president of the United States and my mother was uh, distraught over that. And I think we all were. But I remember talking to her at that time and thinking, you know, 
Mom, I think it's actually a great blessing from God because if we don't wake up now when the evil is right in our face and it's marching and pushing us back uh, so aggressively, we're never going to wake up. Under the George W. Bushes and all those in the Clintons and the Bush seniors, we were moving in the same direction, just a little slower and, and with a government that was using more patriotic terminology to define what they were doing. But it was the same thing. And now Obama said, we're going to fundamentally transform America. And I'm like, that's a blessing. And it woke up millions. There would be no resistance today if that wouldn't have happened. We would have slowly crept into a totalitarian government, but thought it's okay because we would have had patriotic people telling us why a totalitarian government is, is the patriotic thing to support because of the circumstances that are very unique and we need to protect you and everything. And so that was a blessing. But I think the same thing with COVID. When we saw our elected officials were just like North Korea, just like China, uh, and they were following their example of what to do, we realized, no, our, our leaders didn't change overnight. That's who they were. The people that just grabbed that power, like Justin Trudeau and others, where you just saw, oh my goodness, they're a Stalin, an absolute Stalin. If they had the power, they would just execute any opposition to themselves. But they took as much power as they could act like they legitimately had, and they did it. And they just crushed all opposition. And Gavin Newsom in California just being a totalitarian. We realized, oh my goodness, it is in those people. Uh, they are evil incarnate. And it was a blessing, though. It opened our eyes to that, to go, man, the Democratic Party just went off the cliff. And I think millions awakened. We saw they are little Stalins. They're little Castros, all of them. Look at all the major democratic cities in America. There are war zones right now. There are no law and order. Crime is rewarded and defense of yourself is punished. I mean, that, that's where we are. But that's a blessing. It's, it's a rough road you have to transition through. But if you didn't go through that, you never awaken to stand up and say, enough is enough. We're not doing this anymore. And so I think it's a great blessing. Listen to one more clip from the girl, Yomi, from North Korea. It makes you thankful how we have been raised, the truths we know and understand. They're just common sense to us. They're not to everybody else. And again, the, the, the privilege, the blessing of knowing the right path is, is such a tremendous thing because we know what road we need to get back on. Wherever we've come off of it, we know that's where we need to go. But listen to another clip from Yomi talking about North Korea. And I think it'll help you have a very grateful heart for the country you live in, even with all its problems. Don't even whisper because the birds and mice could hear me. And like we were even afraid to be heard by a little bug because we say that even though this like normal wall has ears. The spies were everywhere. And even, even in family, the teachers tell you that if you see something that is wrong, you need to report on parents. So there's no trust between people, including the family members. And if you say the one wrong thing, of, of course, it's not like up to eight generations of your family. 
Say that again. If you say one wrong thing, it will affect eight generations of your family. Yeah, it's like three to eight generations. So they punish you for eight generations if you go against them, which makes nobody go against them hardly ever. Because you know your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren will still be being punished because your great-grandfather stood up against the communist dictator. That's a world, again, we don't know anything about and we should be so grateful for that. That doesn't even make sense to us. But as she came to America, and the reason I'm playing some of these is as I watched the whole interview, and you can too, I just had, my heart was overflowing with gratefulness to God for my life, my upbringing, my country, my uh, the the truth I've been taught, my parents, my everything. I just go, man, we have just been dumped on by God. He's given us so much, and most of us are whining or complaining about this or that, and we can't do that. We need to be grateful for all the things we still have and then stand for the truth boldly. We have to be persecuted for that. Big deal. Most people's whole life is persecution and suffering and heartbreak. And ours has been so good. But when she came to America then, it's amazing through the eyes of a a North Korean little girl. She finally made it to America after being in China and having horrible things happen there. But she came and went to Columbia University. Oh, now I'm going to make something of my life. And listen to what she said when she went to orientation at Columbia University several years ago uh, when she couldn't believe what she was hearing. When did you realize that something was wrong? Here you come to America, the land of the free uh, the, the, the first place in the world, in the history of the world, where people govern themselves and understand this idea of liberty. But in 2016, in Columbia University, you experienced something else. Yeah, so, I mean, the very first day at the orientation, before the classes began, I, I was very shocked. What was happening in, in college in rooms in, in America? Because it really reminded me of like my North Korean classroom, you know. At some point, I was like thinking, did I go back to North Korea? <laughs> How this is like America? How are we learning this in American classrooms? Because they were telling you how to think. Not just like not even what to think, right? Like it's it's a the narrative of understanding the world is exactly the same narrative. The world is horrible because of greedy capitalism and because of greed, like white men. So now you go to Columbia University in New York City mm-hmm. and you're experiencing the same ideas being pushed at you even in orientation before you even start classes you're getting these ideas pushed what did you think it's an amazing thing to yeah. try to I mean the difference was in North Korea if we don't believe it though there's a gun next to us and going to shoot us in America, I just seeing these people voluntarily believing it without a gun pointing at them. And in some way, they are like believing it a lot more deeper way because I think it's first generation of the revolutionaries. They are the true believers. By the time when I was in North Korea, we were just forced mm-hmm. to believe it. So the passion was way harsher at Columbia. And I, I was shocked. The same ideology of the, you know, equality of outcomes, the equity, 
that destroyed North Korea, where people so incompetent, nothing works. It's played in America, where yeah. the solution to every problem is equity. So at Columbia University, the passion for these revolutionary ideals of communism and to, to take down the evil American empire was as hardcore as in North Korea. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But she saw that. She was, this is what we were taught there. Isn't that amazing? And I loved her line, the first generation is true revolutionaries. The first people that believe. That's why it's so dangerous. That's why you get your children and grandchildren out of the universities today completely because they're being brainwashed to be revolutionaries uh, for the communists. And the first generation that knows nothing of the totalitarian nature of it they're real believers. They think, oh, this is going to create a utopia on earth. People in North Korea, they don't, they get the propaganda, but they look around them and go, it didn't create a utopia on earth. This is a hellhole. <laughs> and so, but, but that's why they're so dangerous. It was like the 60s. That was another group of first generation revolutionaries that have destroyed our whole country. They were committed to this thing. Because why? Because they live in America. <laughs> they don't live in North Korea. They're at universities in this country living like a king, uh, but talking about how evil the system is that has propped them up in a lavish lifestyle that would exceed any ruler in times gone by. But that's, that's the lie of the left. And the inconsistency of the left is they don't move to the countries that they believe are the utopias they're trying to create. So in starting to wrap up, I just made some bullet points here of reminders for you, things I wanted to remind you of that would hopefully help your heart be filled to overflowing with love for God and his mercies to you and to our country. And here they are. We were born for such a time as this. That should encourage you that God picked you to be born right now. That means he has a job for you to do. That should be really encouraging. Most people in the world have no purpose, no meaning, no hope. They're just wandering around trying to find something that will satisfy the longings of their heart. Well, if you're born again, you have that. But you also then have a purpose to spend your time, your treasures, and your talents in accomplishing. Another one, God's ways work for family, church, state, business, and individual. That's amazing. Most of the people in the world don't know about God's ways. They don't know what the family's supposed to look like or any of these things that we should be so grateful. Study history because God's principles play out revealing who he is and prove he is God. As you study his story, history, you see that. And that's so powerful. We, and we have access to that. You read about the Roman Empire and you see, oh, when they turned their back on biblical principles and became immoral and just it glorified everything wicked, they crumbled and they're no more. In the Greek culture, no more. Uh, Europe right now, it's collapsing. It will be no more in just a few years. And America is on that same path. Because they said, God, we don't want you. But we know that. Again, knowing the solution is an important part of solving the problem. And most countries of the world don't know what to do. They just cry freedom. But they don't know what that looks like. They don't know what it really means to be free. Uh, here's another one. 
we will stand before him and give an account. That's a tremendous blessing. It's like the ultimate accountability partner. You know, a lot of people have accountability partners for some vice they have, pornography or drinking or whatever, and they get together with them. Hey, have you done anything this week? You can lie to an accountability partner. You cannot lie to God. And he is right there with you every second, knowing the thoughts and intents of your heart. And I love that. That's one of my favorite things about being a Christian. I know I can't get away with anything. And I know he knows, and he's the only one that matters. That's a blessing. We will be with him forever. <laughs> knowing that's coming, a paradise, a, just a, a something we can't even comprehend that will be unending. It will never end. That should be encouraging. So even if this life gets really rough, even if we end up dying or whatever, we've got that to look forward to. It's a great blessing, and it should encourage us to be faithful. Another thing, these are exciting times to be alive. It's not dull. It's not like, oh, what am I going to do today? <laughs> Whatever. It's, there's battles raging all around us, and we can choose to participate and step in and stand, and that's a great blessing. Uh, circumstances are awakening people to their fragility, which is good soil for the gospel. It is. People are just seeing, man, life is a vapor, and what's going to happen to me when I die? And we're here to tell them what the reality is. And I know things aren't going well in many areas, and that's sobering, but the positive of that, if you're going to look at it in a positive, thankful way, is we are aware of the storm, so we can prepare and be grateful. So many people don't have a clue. They don't have a clue there's really big problems coming and they're like, oh, it'll be all right. It always has been. Well, we know. And I go, that's a blessing. The people that don't know, they're going to have a nightmare on their hands as the whole thing starts to crumble. And just a couple more. We have valuable things to defend, to speak, and to model. That's great. It gives our life tremendous purpose and meaning. We have the mercy, forgiveness, love, protection, and direction of the Creator. I don't know what else you could ask for in a world that has so many different uncertainties and things going on when we know who I am following knows the future and he is there to protect and direct my path. It's a great blessing. Another thing we can be thankful of is that justice is coming. <laughs> All the wicked we see around us that vexes our souls will be punished. And I love in Psalm 58, David talks about that. He said, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ear, which will not hearken to the voice of charmers, charming never so wisely. And then he says this, I love this. Break their teeth, O God. In their mouth, break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Let them melt away as waters which run continually when he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows. Let them be as cut in pieces as a snail which melteth. Let every one of them pass away like the untimely birth of a woman that they may not see the sun. 
The righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, so that a man shall say, Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Verily, he is a God that judgeth in the earth. I want to encourage you with that. There is a God that takes vengeance and will judge in the earth. Um, Evil vexes the soul. It, It absolutely does. We are supposed to hate what is evil. The political correct Christianity of today is just says, oh, it's all about love. No. <laughs> the beginning of wisdom is to hate what is evil like God does. And we are to hate it. We're to stand against it. And we are to just rest assured that justice will be served. I'm going to end with a clip from Agenda 2. It's Alan Keyes at the very end, just giving some encouraging advice on how we need to be faithful, to not give up. We keep standing for the truth with a grateful heart because God has given us so much. And then we do our very best to accomplish all the things that he put us on this earth to do. There's nothing that is lost that cannot be found by the power of God. There's nothing that is hurtling through the abyss that cannot grow wings and soar to the heavens. By the power of God, you shall mount up on wings like eagles. You shall run and not be weary. And I think that that's true of our country. And in our case, we won't be discovering something or finding out something. We'll be rediscovering. We won't have to wander about in, in fallen, distant places. We just have to go home. We have to go home to the heart of faith. We have to go home to the true spirit of liberty. We have to go home to that reverent love of God, which triumphs over every fear. And we'll find America again. Isn't that beautiful? You come home to God, and there you will find America. And that's what we've got to do now. And that's why I'm optimistic, because God can save our country, but he won't until we ask.